Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. You know, the Trump family's in a different situation. The private citizens should all refuse to produce any documents. As far as government officials, they'll do what they're told to do. And anybody who works for the government can always quit and take the fifth. But let me tell you something. This is a fraud, this investigation. It is designed to smear people as witnesses, and it is designed to perjury trap them and make phony referrals to the Justice Department. This is all about dirtying up the President of the United States, who has been proven thus far has done absolutely nothing wrong. And I believe that to be true. I don't need Joe DeGeneva to tell me that, but uh, just watching, you know, I've been reading a lot in the last 48 hours of people's impressions of the speech that the President gave at CPAC. And I, I shared with you my my impression. I thought this was the opening salvo in the 2020 presidential election. And uh, we've got 14 people already declared as candidates. One already dropped out. I mean, he barely got in today. Um, but we do have 14 that have either filed or formed exploratory committees and it's fascinating you know another i predict there'll be another 10 12 maybe 15 that you can end up with uh somewhere close to 30 people uh declaring for this nomination and so far there's not one single one of them who could have done what the president of the united states was able to do on that stage at cpac first and foremost none of them can talk for two hours not many people can talk for two hours. I can talk for two hours. Radio personalities can talk for two hours. And uh, beyond that, try it. Just go ahead. Try and make a two-hour speech. I have an a, 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 a evening with the um, Christian Judeo Republican Club coming up on the 20th of March. And I will get up there and I will speak probably for around 40 minutes and then take questions for another 40 minutes somewhere in that vicinity. And it's, um, it's about all you can do. It is difficult. I speak on the air for three hours a day. And as many of you know, I prefer to go solo. I don't have a partner. I don't have, uh, a lot of guests. I certainly don't take calls. Um, as you well know, and there's a reason because I have developed the gift. Well, I have was given the gift and then I developed the gift of being able to talk and to have enough material by consuming enough information in the prior 24 hours. Well, actually over my whole life, when you get right down to it, my whole life, I've been gathering the information that then allows me to speak for extended period of times on anything that I think is newsworthy or engaging for the listeners. And believe me, it is first, you got to have the gift and then you have to develop the skill. And if you listen around the dial, you can tell the people who are gifted on the radio and the people who are just kind of you know, doing it because it's their job and uh, they were fortunate. Uh, I don't even know how some people get into radio because they don't seem to have any drive, any love, any passion for it. And without that passion, you can't talk for hours. I saw the president at CPAC. I didn't get to see him, but I got to watch it uh, twice now. And that's a lot of watching. But it was important because I, I was beginning to read these 
impressions that people had of the speech. Plus, I heard one or two other uh, personalities speaking on it. And, uh, you know, either they saw a very different speech than I did, or they are just blinded by their hate. You can't really tell me that there wasn't something absolutely engaging about that speech. It was um, serious and it was funny. It was mocking and it was self-deprecating. It was everything that a good speech has to be. And usually you're lucky if you get 20, 30 minutes of the good stuff and the rest is, uh, you know, basically just filler. This thing rocked from start to finish. There were no quiet, slow moments. There was no point at which anybody was going to get up and leave. And he even made a, a joke about that, that sometimes the networks will show you two empty seats because somebody got up and they'll go, look, they left the, uh, the Trump rally or they left the Trump speech. And then they come back from the bathroom and it's, uh, you know, the truth is they never went anywhere except to take a leak. And when I look at that, the way they um, want to just demean this president, it is not surprising to me that they would issue subpoenas and demand information from some 81 people in and around the orbit of this president. They can't get him. They can't even flap him. They can't shake him. I know they go, oh, he's so thin-skinned, he's responding. That's not why he responds. I know why he responds, because somebody has to, because people like him and people like me and people like you are sick and tired of being beaten up like punching bags by a bunch of self-serving elitist snobs who have no idea what it's like to live in the real world. Zero. Zilch. Even the ones who lived in the real world get elevated and they forget the real world. Very few of them ever go back to their roots. Very few people ever return to their districts, never mind their roots. You know, how often do you get to see your congressman around town? You get to see him uh, bump into them at Publix? How about like never? How about like even when they're home, they have someone accompanying them at all times, especially if they're the least bit controversial. It's just. It's just amazing to me that people could have reviewed that speech in a negative way. It's got to be fear. Because after watching that speech the second time, I decided that, uh, remember I made a prediction a couple of months now ago that the president was going to win in 2020, and I predicted he was going to win very big. After watching that speech for the second time, I am so confident. I am so, I mean, barring some really extraordinary event, and I, I couldn't think of any, really. I mean, there's nothing that could happen, in my opinion, that will persuade enough people that they want to go in the opposite direction, that they want to go in the direction that the Democrats are telling you. They're not even uh, pretending anymore that they don't want to take you in that direction. They are point-blank running on, uh, you know, taking away your choices when it comes to health care, but making sure that every woman has the choice to kill her baby. You know, they're, they're so twisted. Their, their philosophy, their, their, their approach to America 
is so out of line with what most of us experience on a daily basis or or aspire to be that I, I just can't see it. There's just not enough Americans living in New York City, in Los Angeles, and in San Francisco to get them over the hump. That's why Eric Holder's got to get rid of the Electoral College. And that's why the Democrats are actually really trying desperately to get rid of the Electoral College. But it's not going to happen. It would require a constitutional amendment, number one. So it's not going to happen. But watching the machinations and watching the um, ridiculous maneuvers by Republicans really just makes my hair hurt. You know, if I was Ronna McDaniel, I'd call in all the leadership of the Republican Party. McCarthy, McConnell, all of them. And I'd sit them down and I'd give them a little dose of reality. And the reality is this. Every time... You move away from the president every time you sabotage the president and his efforts. Every time you take positions that you think are somehow morally right, you are making it harder for yourself to win. Not harder for the president to win. I don't think the public gives a rat's patoot what Rand Paul does anymore. I really don't. I, you know, I like Rand Paul. There are times when he's right on the money. There are times when he's so out of, uh, you know, space that he should probably just, uh, you know, put little uh, NASA wings on. But for the most part, I, I, I just, uh, I don't think anybody cares. They don't think you can bring him down. But they get angry at you. And I would be very, very careful if I was one of these Republicans who was planning on voting uh, against, you know, authorizing the president or actually just voting for a resolution to uh, stop the president from moving funds from one area to another, a, a privilege and a right that was given to the president by the very Congress who's now trying to, uh, you know, stop him from doing it. These people are absolutely schizo. You know, with one hand they give, and with the other hand they try to take away. The only difference is we finally have a president who slaps their hand and says, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, go ahead. You want to make a, a statement, Rand Paul, and you want to vote against, uh, vote for the resolution stopping me? Go ahead. I'll veto the resolution. I'll build the wall. I'll see you in court. And the American people are going to stand behind me because they are sick and tired of people who can't stand with them. Who won't continue to fight even when it looks hopeless. America's a country that, that prefers to be the underdog. We like to fight the good fight. We hate people who give up. We don't like victims. We like victors. I'm not sick of winning yet. And I don't think most Americans are sick of winning yet. The only people who seem to be sick of winning are the people who are so in bed or in the back pocket of these huge special interest groups and these lobbyists that they have lost their reason. Oh, well, I won't be able to get money and then I can't run my campaign. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Stick with the president. You'll get all the money you need. You'll get all the press you need. And you will win your election. And if you don't think I'm, I'm telling you the truth, ask Ron DeSantis, ask Rick Scott. I'm just talking about Florida. Ask Marco Rubio. Ask all the people who 
President Donald Trump literally pushed them over the finish line. Some of them barely squeaking by. So it's just to muddy him up. That's all it is. And I, I know that because you have all these House Democrats who are saying, oh, uh, President Trump obstructed justice, but we don't have the evidence to impeach him. Well, then, you know, look, the weirdest part about them is that they think because of the media's, ooh, let me use the word collusion, with the House Democrats or with the Democrat Party in general, they think that you are being hypnotized. You know, you're getting very sleepy, sleepy. Never mind, no evidence. The Russia-Trump collusion is real. The Russia-Trump collusion is real. Keep your eye on the watch. You're, the Russia-Trump collusion is real. It's real. Even though we don't have any evidence. That was Jerry Nadler who said that to George Stephanopoulos on Sunday. He said, oh, we're not ready to impeach him because the evidentiary predicate has not been laid. Give me a break. At the same time, he told George Stephanopoulos that it was very clear that the president had obstructed justice. Uh, a witch hunt. Every time he called it a witch hunt, that was an obstruction. Firing James Comey. Even though, as, a, as I recall, President Obama once fired James Comey. Was that obstruction of justice? Predetermined outcome, anyone? Yeah. Nadler admits he doesn't have the evidence, but he's already decided that the president is guilty of obstruction. You ought to really think about this and consider this um, opening salvo by Jerry Nadler to get at information, including his final reply, which reminds me. I got this strange email and then I went and checked it out because it just seemed insane to me. Couldn't possibly be true, I told myself. And then, whoa, ends up being true. There is actually a an item, literally an item on Amazon.com, which is a solicitation for me to buy a copy of the Mueller report. And it said it'll be out on March 26th so I can actually pre-order it. Now, that, that made me a little... Uh, when I saw that, I said, hey, this can't be true. This must be something, you know, not true. <laughs> but lo and behold, I click on a link, takes me to my Amazon account, and there it is, the Mueller report. As I live and breathe. How could that be? I mean, we. my friend Pat said we are beyond the witch hunt at this point. We are uh, we're in an organized massacre. And the idea that people are going to stand by and not fight back is really un-American. And it's really why I predict that Donald Trump is going to win. Because we're just so sick and tired of weak-kneed politicians who don't fight back, who let somebody like Jerry Nadler declare that we have no proof, but we're going to proceed. Because we know. What does that even mean, we know? How do you know if you don't know? And how do you 
literally sell a report that supposedly hasn't been given to the attorney general yet. I, I, I'm still trying to figure that one out. But of course, um, you won't see that on CNN. Uh, you won't hear any mention of this Amazon. You know, uh, what do you call them? A solicitation? Amazon listing? Listing. Here it is. On Amazon, it is, let's see, the Mueller report. The leaked investigation into President Donald Trump and his inner circle of con men, circus clowns, and children he named after himself. This has got to be a joke, right? But there it is. Maybe this is, uh, you know, some guy's attempt to make a lot of money. I just don't know. I do think it would be totally illegal. Then we got used ones for sale on eBay. <laughs> and uh, the final report, here it is. The final report of the special counsel into Donald Trump and his inner circle of con. I, I'm just the final report of the special counsel into Donald Trump, Russia, and collusion with an introduction by Alan Dershowitz. Like, does this even make sense to anybody? I'm, I'm going to have to figure it out. I really am. Special counsel Robert Mueller's, uh, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional, sir, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. Well, we're trying to get a hold of a guest. They've been promoing all two days, but uh, they're not answering their phone. I do have uh, my friend Ann Coulter coming on tomorrow. It's a surprise, though. I'm not going to tell you what that uh, that's going to be all about. It's not really a surprise at this point. If you just it said. is a surprise, it's a surprise. What we're going to be, how we're going to use the time on the air. A big surprise. You're going to have to tell me off air then. I'm not telling you anything. Well, I, have to I run want your you show. to be a sub. You, but you, you know, you, you're quick on your feet. I don't like No, you're not really on. quick on your feet. Let me think that through. <laughs> um, you can roll with the punches. No, you don't really roll with the punches. Let me think that one through. I, I love all you're, the support. Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're alert. <laughs> I'm going to go with you're alert. Oh, and you mitigate that one. I finally gave you a, a, a decent. A decent claim, and and you mitigate it. But hey, listen. You know, one of the things that has happened over the last twenty four hours to me, and I think this is important because you get to like literally be with me five days a week. You know what happens for the three hours that we're together, but I also tell you just about everything that happens for the twenty one hours that we're not together. Now, obviously, some of that time is spent sleeping. Some of that time is spent eating some of that time is spent uh 
having conversations of a personal nature with uh, my husband or my friends. But most of the time that I'm away from you, I am trying to um, wrap my mind around the news, wrap my mind around the social changes that I see. There was an incredible, I do a lot of reading and I'm grateful that I was, you know, encouraged to read when I was young. I did the same for my children. They are voracious readers. My grandchildren are voracious readers. There is something different about reading than watching, uh, you know, a movie or watching a show or watching even a news report. Something happens um, which forces your mind to go further you know it's not just imaging it's thought it's critical thinking and it is the other reason that i love talk radio i mean i got i gotta be um i gotta be honest about this i can't really watch television because they rely so heavily on the visual on the imaging so they really are are kind of um they're not that entertaining in and of themselves. You know, they're not that um, confident, I guess, that they can just go off book. Another reason I really love the president. Because if you have the ability to talk without any notes for an hour, two hours, or three hours, there is something that's going to happen. There's a magic that happens because your brain is working in a particular manner and you will draw in others whose brains work like that. See, I'm not interested in entertaining everybody. You know, I learned a long time ago that one of the reasons that Jesus spoke in parables to his disciples was because if you have not uh, actually had an experience you won't understand the message. And I feel like talk radio is the same. If you haven't come to an, a place in your life and certainly in your mind, in your mental life, where you crave information, you process that information, and you are able to come to a conclusion about that information, whether it's true, whether it's false, whether it's important, whether it can be discarded, you can do that all in like the click of a blink of an eye, a click of a finger. And, and that's why, yeah, again, I watched that speech by the president and I listened to all of the pundits talking about it and I read everything that was written about it. The best piece that I read was written by a person who doesn't like President Trump. I don't know if he likes him or doesn't like him, but he, I would say he probably doesn't like him. He's a libertarian. He's uh, an editor. Uh, he used to be the editor. I think now he's just like a roving reporter kind of guy for Reason magazine. I don't know if you've ever read that, but I read it pretty much every day because it's thoughtful. You know, it, it covers the same subjects everybody else is covering with opinion, but it covers it in a manner that forces you to think. In other words, it doesn't give you the answer. It just gives you the question. And I love that. And there was an article by uh, Gillespie, the editor. I forgot his first name, Rick. Uh, anyway, um, I can't think of it now. But anyway, he wrote this article about what he saw in the speech. He was actually there at CPAC. 
and he wrote an article about how the, when you're in the middle of that crowd and you see the effect that President Trump has on that crowd, something shifts. Something shifts inside of you. It did for me. It did for uh, our morning host, Bill. I'll never forget after his first rally when I, I saw him the next day and he looked at me and he said, something happened. Like I went from liking Trump to, you know, being willing to suit up and fight alongside of him. And that happens every time. I don't care who you are. You could be the most uh, moronic boo-boob. But you will go to a rally or you will go to a speech and you will hear something that speaks to you, that singles out your situation, that says you're still good. It doesn't matter if you're not Ivy League educated. You are a great person. You're an American. You take care of your family. Something builds you up every time he speaks. Um, you know, I, I watched a, a pundit say that they thought it was disgusting the way President Trump hugged the American flag. One of them actually said that if the American flag was human, they would have a sexual assault case against the uh, president. And all I kept thinking when I was listening to this person, I think it was like Nicole Wallace or some make-believe conservative, all I kept thinking when I heard this person was, I had an occasion, it was 10 years ago, I was speaking in front of, I think it was the Italian-American organization. It might have been a festival. It might have been a speech. I don't remember. But I remember I walked up on the stage, and we had been through so much. There was just so much negativity around uh, Nancy Pelosi pushing through that Obamacare bill. We had launched the Tea Party movement. There was just a lot going on. And I looked at the American flag when I walked out, and I I, I touched it. You know, I I... I I basically kissed it the way um, if you've ever been to a, a, a Jewish service a, a, at a synagogue in a temple, um, the way that people reach out and they kiss their fingers and then they touch the Torah as it's being carried. And I had that need to do that with the, uh, and I didn't make a big deal about it. I walked up and one person, this guy, Bill, saw me do that. And he came up to me afterwards, after I had spoken, and he said, you will never know how much that meant to me, that you did that. Because, you know, I, he was busy thinking he was the only person who ever did anything like that. And when I saw the president hug the American flag, I did not have any sensation other than gratitude. I was just grateful that I'm not the only person who sees that flag as a symbol of greatness, who sees America as a beacon of light, a city on a hill, and is not afraid to express that. It's not cheap what he did. It's, it's very risky. But he didn't have an alternative. When it wells up inside of you, and this is what I know about Donald Trump, I can tell you right now, when that wells up inside of him, it comes pouring out. And that hugging was not faked, wasn't planned. It was the same thing that happened to me. Something just erupts, spills over. 
And the people who are putting them down for it and the people who are pointing fingers, um, really, they're going to be very, very upset in 2020 when they relive their worst nightmare, when they are sitting there after four years of the media, because that's what it'll be, four years of the media maligning him, uh, dragging his children, dragging his friends, dragging his attorneys, dragging everybody through as much mud as possible in an effort to dirty him up so badly that he cannot win the election. And when they're sitting there that night and it happens again, I just, I just want to be somewhere where I can see them. I'm not going to sit with a bunch of my friends who will be ecstatic. I'm going to find the largest gathering of Democrats. I may even fly to, New- to Washington, D.C. and go to the, quote, victory party of whoever their, their nominee ends up being just so I can watch them implode because I have no question in my mind that everything they say about this president is what's working to get him elected the next time. The speech at CPAC was a preview for what this upcoming election is going to be like. And Gillespie, Nick, that's his name, Nick Gillespie, in his article in Reason Magazine, got it absolutely right. This is not about politics. It's not about policy. It's not about right versus left. or It's about right versus wrong. It's about the, the culture, not about all of the stuff that the politicians want to make it about. It's really not. Because, see, we don't see things the same way the coastal people see it, and we sure don't see things the way politicians see them. We don't stick our finger up in the air to figure out which way the wind is blowing. We all have deep-seated beliefs. We all have real uh, animus towards socialism. Many of us have had experiences with it, have had family members who fled it. Many of us have studied it at great length, you know, been through uh, course after course at the uh, collegiate level, at the graduate school level, and we know that what's happening in Venezuela right now, what happened in Cuba, what's happening in, in China, what's happening in North Korea, what happened in the Soviet Union is a direct result of the kind of policies that you've got a bunch of candidates screaming they want to put in place here. We're not going to let that happen. What they don't understand, no matter how many times they get shown, the American people aren't going to stand for it. We're not going that way. And you will be shocked. I'm, gonna, I'm calling it right now. You're going to be shocked at the number of Hispanics and the number of African Americans and the number of Asians that end up voting for President Trump in this upcoming election. these attacks on Nancy Pelosi. I grew up with these attacks on Barack Obama. I grew up with these bad faith attacks even on Hillary Clinton. And so we know what's going on. And I feel like what I've chosen to do is 
break this fourth wall a little bit and respond to them because we saw how completely unfounded attacks like like uh, the birther movement with President Obama they were ignored because it was beneath the president to respond to these things but then they started to grow and as we say they grow legs and start walking around mm. and I think that sometimes we have to take a little bit of a different tack and just squash it early and respond to them and be unafraid to say you sound ridiculous yeah. kind of what the uh, president does <laughs> Who is she modeling herself after? Because the only person I know who behaves in that manner is uh, President Trump. And by the way, if I were uh, AOC, I would be more concerned about the fact that uh, there's an FEC complaint against your chief of staff who may have illegally transferred campaign funds to his own companies. Two companies, as a matter of fact, according to a complaint filed Monday with the FEC. Saikit Chakrabarty set up brand new Congress PAC to collect and bundle donations for newbie politicians, including Ms. Ocasio-Cortez. He then diverted more than $1 million to two of his companies that did campaign work, skirting the reporting requirements, according to a complaint by the National Legal and Policy Center. These are not minor or technical violations. We're talking about real money, said Tom Anderson, director of NLPC's Government Integrity Project. In all my years of studying FEC reports, I've never seen a more ambitious operation to circumvent reporting requirements. He added that New York Democrat AOC has been quite vocal in condemning so-called dark money, but her own campaign went to great lengths to avoid the sunlight of disclosures. The PAC money went to Mr. Chakrabarty's brand new Congress LLC and brand new campaign LLC entities that unlike PACs and candidate campaigns do not have to report or itemize their spending. The Ocasio-Cortez campaign also was paying brand new Congress LLC for strategic consulting. You know, Chuck O'Barty don't need the money. He's a tech millionaire from Silicon Valley. He's just really into far left politics and, uh, you know, helped her win over Joe Crowley, the uh, long standing politician from that district. And she made him chief of staff. Another FEC complaint that was filed last week by the Coolidge Regan Foundation alleged that brand new Congress PAC was involved in a scheme to funnel money to Ms. Ocasio-Cortez's live-in boyfriend, Riley Roberts. At the same time, Mr. Roberts, who is a 29-year-old web developer, received payments totaling $6,000 as a, quote, marketing consultant for the PAC. The Ocasio-Cortez campaign was paying brand-new Congress, LLP, for strategic consulting, and the strategic consulting was being done by her boyfriend. When she was asked about the payments, AOC focused on the legal entities handling the cash. It's not on my payroll. They weren't working for me. They're two separate entities here. This is the difference between an LLC and a PAC, a PAC. Oh, boy. Between her and, uh, and this incredible Ilhan Omar, the representative is about to get booted. Welcome to the freshman class.